Well, hello there, Absolute Worldy listeners. Um, it's Joel here. Just before uh, we get started with today's final episode in the series of Absolute Worldy podcast, I just wanted to say a couple of things. Uh, the episode was recorded last week before the World Cup final, uh, so any predictions that we do make... Uh, are entirely based on that fact. Uh, I also wanted to highlight the fact that at the end of the episode you will hear a fantastic mini-episode, if you will. Uh, It's only two and a half minutes long and it's entitled Kyle Goes to Spain. Thanks very much and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back, listeners, to episode... Oh, what, what episode is it, Kyle? It's episode 14. 14. And why is why are we having to visit Chris Jeff Corrections Corner before we've even started the podcast episode? Because on the opening of episode 13, I said, welcome to episode 12. Obviously, everyone then just switched off thinking we'd sent yeah. the same episode twice. Yeah, pretty much. We've got no listeners for that episode, and it's all your fault. It was. That's not true if you're listening, Plunge. Loads of people have listened. Also... I just didn't want... You know, like in American hotels, they don't have a floor 13. <laughs> I thought we just shouldn't have an episode 13, episode 12, episode 12A, yeah, parental right. guidance. Necessary. In fact, it was necessary. It was my, necessary. My dad I, sent me a message saying there was a lot of swearing in that episode. There was more, I mean, I thought I'd highlighted that by the fact that the episode was called F word, F word, F word, F word. With good reason. With good reason. We've no, not really sworn that much before. It was pretty epic. Um, but it was partly epic because it was the England game, wasn't it, Carl? Yeah, I've still not quite recovered, I don't think, from that the game. Columbia game. Well, the sweet, let's let's talk. It's the uh, listeners, this is going to upset you. All, however many of you there are. This is the last episode during the World Cup of the Absolute Worldy Podcast. Absolute Worldy Podcast, a world-class World Cup pod or a mediocre pod about people having worldies, you decide. And we can tell you that we have plans to move on beyond the World Cup. So it's probably the mediocre pod then. <laughs> A mediocre pod about people we'll have, playing games. Yes, we will be continuing in season two of the Absolute Worldy <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> we will even have like a last time on the Absolute Worldy Podcast like they do on uh, on good TV shows. That would be nice. Yeah, last time on the Absolute Worldy Podcast, England won the World Cup. Or <gasps> did they? Did they? Uh, right, so quarterfinals, Carl. Thoughts? Feelings. Well, we haven't spoken to the listeners since all the quarterfinals were played because we've not been able to meet up. No, well, the last time we saw each other, last time we posted an episode was after the last game of the last 16. Yes, indeed. Uh, and we, in fact, didn't watch any of the quarterfinals together. No, first first round we've not watched any Which games felt together. weird. Well, yes, it means we couldn't sort of shout at each other. No <laughs> quips and no like, oh, did you know this? Or No, I was mostly on my own, to be honest. And quipping into the ether. <laughs> Queether. Que- oh, God. Sounds weird. <laughs> So the first game, quarterfinal, was France 2, Uruguay 0. Yes, it was. Um, not the best game. No, uh, France, so, for all their extraordinary attacking talent, and, I mean, I'm just thinking about the, the noises. Uh, we're recording this uh, on the morning of the England-Croatia semi-final, so we've just, uh, the last game we watched was the France-Belgian semi, and the, the commentators on the BBC last night were going mad for Mbappe in a way which was really extraordinary. Like, I've not heard a player get that kind of response 
from a commentary team and from pundits for a long time. But the, the, for all that he's extraordinary and for all that they have Griezmann and Pogba and all these exciting players, France have a tendency to shut down games. Yeah. They, I mean, let's not forget they are the purveyor of the only nil-nil in this whole tournament. Wow. So if they do go on to win the tournament, let's, lest we forget yes. that they bought us that nil-nil dire match. And I think for that reason alone, they shouldn't win. Well, just for for, one, for having a nil nil draw. Yeah, it's been a it's been a tournament that will be remembered, I think, and defined by its drama. Yeah, and, and goals, by the, a lot and of a lot goals. of goals, and big teams going out, and France, I think, cheated. Cheated? What they should be? <laughs> Even England just threw the game away. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it properly. They cheated by just what playing to a, a dour nil nil when they were already qualified. They cheated us out of a decent game. Well, yeah, but they've kind of cheated us out of a decent game. Every game they've played. Wow. Have well, they... let's come back to the semi. Well, have they played? Have they? Have you seen at this point? I mean, maybe our listeners will disagree, but I have yet to see them and gone. Wow, that was exciting. I mean, I think you're forgetting the Argentina game. Yes, I have forgotten the Argentina <laughs> game, the game of the World Cup. Yeah, the four three was the four pretty three. exciting. It was pretty exciting, but it was still based on a very solid. I mean, I mean, they conceded three goals, but a very solid defensive performance and hitting them on the counter attack. Yeah, I mean. But, but when you have Mbappe to do that, yeah, and he's he's fantastic. He's a very very good footballer. I mean, is he going to be the best player in the world? Is he the new goat? Well, this is what they're trying to set up, I think, because this this is a, a potential narrative at this World Cup. The the the, the emergence, the, yes, the World Cup where we discovered Mbappe, even though he's already been discovered as an incredible mercurial talent last year. Already, already transferred for over a hundred million euros. Yeah. Well, um, he might, it might be off. So here's the thing. I, I saw it go through officially that PSG have paid 165 million euros. But what, this I, summer? Yes. But I think what's going to happen is uh, uh, that um, as of yesterday, Ronaldo is officially a Juventus player. He's on £75,000 a day. Se- 33 years old is not any age... I say that's sitting here as a 32-year-old. But for a footballer, especially a striker, it's pretty old. We have said, though, that we think he's got another four years in him. Juventus agree. They're paying him <sighs> half a million a month. No, uh, sorry. No, uh, half a million a week. A week. To, half, half to million, see that through. Half a million pounds a week plus an 100 million euro transfer, transfer fee. So I, I think Real Madrid are going to just... PSG, so for those, for our casual listeners who maybe don't know slash care about football, Paris Saint-Germain, which is actually just the footballing arm of the Qatari government. Qatari chatbot there. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, they, have, they have been sanctioned under UEFA financial fair play rules. Uh, so they need to balance their books. And having supposedly just spent £165 million on Mbappe, are they now going to have to sell him straight away to Real Madrid for 200 Or will they alternatively sell their other record signing, Neymar? Neymar. Yeah, so essentially what's going to happen is someone is... Real Madrid are about to pay £200 million for a footballer. I think on the basis of the World Cup, it should be Mbappe. Something's got to give. And we've already discussed the... We had our team in the tournament after the groups and we put Kane and Mbappe in there. Maybe it could be Kane. But let's stay away from club football. Yes. Let's close on Uruguay because, you know, those scenes after the game where they uh, they, they won the last 16 mm. and Cavani against Argentina. Yes. No. No, not Argentina. No, not Argentina. Uruguay. Yeah, they, they beat someone 2-1. Yes, they did. Portugal. Portugal. Ronaldo's Portugal. Yes. Um, the scenes of... Cavani being obviously 
elated to have scored the goals to put them through, but also then in pain. Yeah, in pain and unable to play. And like, that cost them. They didn't have the the, t- the quality in the Would final third. Would it have third. changed the game, though, against France? Yeah. Do you think so? Having Cavani and Suarez... Two world-class strikers to test that defence. And they've only had, they've not been tested, as you said, really. Argentina got three goals against them, but the last one was a late consolation. And Belgium didn't really turn up, I thought. We're not talking about the semis yet. Sorry, no. we're not talking about the semis. We are talking about the quarterfinals. Um, so, uh, um, uh, what, was, what was I just about to say? The quarterfinal after that one? The quarterfinal after that one uh, was between... Uh, we, we, are we doing this chronologically, guys? Yeah, I think it was Brazil. Oh, was it Brazil going out? I believe it was. Brazil, Belgium. Yeah. Um, now, 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 are you one of those people who's of the opinion that if Brazil don't turn up to a World Cup, it makes it less of a good World Cup? Am I? Yes. No. Not no. at all. I didn't put them on the pedestal. They didn't invent football, Joel. <laughs> Who did, Kyle? I think it, it was, was an the, English I think it was the Chinese lad. in the 12th century. Was it? I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> well, they never do very well at World Cups. True. And that's why football's never going to come home. To China. So Belgium eviscerated Brazil. Their front three were beautiful. It was genuinely, I think, even as a neutral, even as someone who didn't care about football, and it's the thing that is both infuriating for football fans and brilliant about the World Cup, anyone I've spoken to was talking about the Belgium front three, talking about De Bruyne, Hazard and Lukaku, talking about how they beat Brazil, because everyone expects Brazil to win everything, uh, and was incredibly excited about them going forward. Yeah, and I, I did hear from a lot of Brazil fans and you know football purists that Brazil deserve more from the game they push late on but when you're already losing yeah that's not good enough no nope. um i actually was driving to the lake district during this game and i had two friends watching it on itv on their phones that must have been really really pleasant for with you, the Carl. sound off giving me a commentary excellent could have recorded it for the podcast no it was horrendous was it bad commentators no, it was, it was very novel. Give me a give me some uh, examples. Um, there was well, one of our one of our friends is Dutch. Yes, but Ben, if you're listening, uh, are you he, about to do a Dutch accent? No, I would never do that to you, Ben. But he had some very unique uh, comments to make. Yep, such as I'm gonna put I'm gonna put, I mean, I'm gonna push you here. I, just things like with the were expletives used. Probably, yeah. I mean, I think all commentary. Uh, I you know you know I fundamentally disagree with your dad about swearing, and I feel that. Uh, uh, all commentary would be improved uh, wholeheartedly by some swearing. Well, it was, it was you know, it kept me going on the long drive. But the game sounded incredibly uh, on a knife edge. Yeah. Um, I, had, I've seen, I have obviously seen the highlights afterwards. The goals were incredible. Yes. Oh, I mean, just the, just the way that they, that they played, the movement and the, the shock from the Brazil, uh, Brazil perspective of having Lukaku moving out wide and Hazard just running with the ball in a way which he hasn't done in the Premier League for a year and a half. Kevin De Bruyne as a false nine. Ah, amazing. Not been done since the, his Chelsea days in a, in a famous nil-nil with Manchester United, which was his last game for the club. Wow. So here's the thing. Belgium. General discussion on other pods as well as this one. In all the media, an amazing team. The golden generation with a terrible manager. That has been the narrative. We espoused that narrative way back when. Now, tell me that those tactics against Brazil weren't 
brilliant. Tactics against, against Brazil worked to a T, nullified their threats, and uh, just going back to the previous game against Japan, substitutions won the game for them. Yep, Fellaini so and Chadley. I think that he's shown himself to be an astute uh, man. Oh, Joel! Ooh, first time your phone's gone <laughs> off. Is my phone going off? Still um, on airplane mode. So, yes, I think Martinez has proven himself to actually be worthy as a an, an manager of international renown. He's even been linked with the Spain job, which has now gone to... Luis Enrique. Luis Enrique. Um... So I think him and also Southgate have given themselves a lot of credibility in this tournament. What I found exciting about Belgium, and this is maybe too football-y for our average listener, but I found exciting the fact that in defence, and this was the same last night against France, uh, in defence and in attack they had two different formations. And at points, a sort of transitionary formation as well. Would you call it liquid football? I would call it liquid football. Why the hell not? But it was exciting to me because the way that that uh, against uh, Brazil, Mounier was playing right back and Vertonghen was playing left back when they didn't have the ball. Mm. And then when they did have the ball, Munier became a right winger and Vertonghen tucked in to be a centre-back. Yeah. Then Witzel dropped in to be a defensive midfielder and it became that kind of 3-5-2 that England are playing. Or, well, actually, 3-4-3 with a false nine. Just, just really exciting to see something completely different. I don't, you don't often see new tactics at a World Cup. And that is also why I would link in Martinez's approach with Southgate's approach. I've never seen a formation of 3-1-2 three, one, which is what England are playing. Yeah. It's it's it, genuinely revolutionary. Yeah, and it's paying dividends. Back to England already, eh? No, I mean for Belgium and, and England. Yes. Both of them went far in this tournament. Yep. Uh, playing previously un, you know, unheralded formations. And in the case of Nasser Chandley and Maran Fellaini for Belgium, unheralded players. Indeed. I did see a very cruel headline which was uh, so, or, or, or a preview, uh, which was something along the lines of uh, Belgium versus France, the best of the Premier League's attacking talent on display, and Maro and Fellaini. Harsh. <laughs> harsh. Very harsh. I would have, I would have used that about Chadley. <laughs> yeah, Chad, well, Chadley's not technically a Premier League player, is he? Or an attacker. Or an attacker, so that um, would have been... But to close on Brazil, yes. I think... I personally would have liked to have seen a non-European continental team in the in the semis. Of course, it's boring to have four teams from the same continent. It's, it's, it's a it. World Cup, it's not a European Championship. I completely agree. So to lose Brazil and Uruguay, I wasn't I wasn't keen on. But I think our overriding memory of this Brazil team unfortunately is going to be Neymar's histrionics. Yep. It's it's become a big thing. All the memes in the world, uh, all the people posting I mean, it's got to the point now where what what I find frustrating is that it diving bothers me. Of course, it does, but it doesn't bother me as much as it seems to bother everybody else. And it has become the main thing that non-football fans talk about when they talk about the World Cup. Well, it's because Neymar is supposed to be an icon of international football. Uh, Hazard used to have a problem with diving. Yeah, and now he has realised that it kills his actual impact on the game. Yes. Neymar is a genius player. Yes, no He's an question. incredible creator. He has a, in, you know, a, a football brain which is usually moments ahead of the defenders Almost certainly him. the third best player in the world currently. But I think that, I think that his, his impact on a game is lessened by his approach to the game. Sure. And therefore I don't, think you, I don't think we can put him anywhere near the same epoch as Ronaldo, Messi. I, I don't like the fact that football is predicated on diving around and rolling around and pretending to be injured. But perhaps it is a feature of the game now and we should just accept that going forward all the best players in the world are going to have that edge. But I think that what was nice about this World Cup is the fact that he was vilified for it. Do you think that's... Is that a good thing? I mean, the problem with it is is it takes... I know it's something that he's doing, but it does take the edge off how good he is as a footballer if all we ever end up talking about is 
Yeah, but then he should stop doing it. Yeah. It's not our fault that he does it. I mean, what it's was not football's fault? What that he was does it. noticeable against Belgium was he wasn't getting any decisions. No, because so it's, it's the it's worst. The worst aspect for Brazil and for whichever club side he's playing for next season is that he's now got a reputation, which means decisions don't go his way. There was at least one which I thought was actually a foul on him, and he rolled around on the floor, and the referee told him to get up. I mean, there was the the, the incident where he was trod on, <laughs> which was a red card. Yeah, unquestionably. But he, it was like watching some sort of farce the way he moved around yeah I know I, I think it's I think I've uh, I've reached my I've reached the end of my tether with this I, do you know what it is and I'm gonna go out I, I think I've got more I've, I've allowed my cynicism to come out a little bit more as we've as we've progressed to episode 14 slash 12 sit B it's 14 whatever uh, of the of the absolute worldy podcast uh, I hate the British reaction to players diving I hate it I think it's entitled, It's it's got this... When Southgate came out and said, we're just doing what the rest of the world are already doing, when we play dirty, I'm like, no, we have been diving and kicking people for years. It existed in the English game before 1992, when football was supposedly changed by the advent of Sky and the Premier League, and it, it will exist forevermore. It is a non-contact sport where you can win fouls by pretending to have been hit. It has always happened. And the idea that somehow England, England's got so much honour, we never would have dived around on the was floor. That Japanese accent? No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was a no. Deep, I sorry, I didn't mean to undermine your point. It was a deeper voice. Yes, I, think I, I, had my I completely point. agree with you. There is, but this is what we've talked about a lot in this pod. Is about the uh, the hypocrisy of uh, English punditry or British punditry. Um, when they want to bring it up, they bring it up. When they want to avoid it, when an English player is doing it, let's not forget Michael Owen's. Uh, performance to he's, yep. he's a die he's been an international diver and we don't really talk about it famously dived to beat argentina i think pochettino pochettino was the, the current manager of, of tottenham Hotspur, didn't touch michael owen michael owen flew over england won a penalty and beat argentina and was was the headline the next day cheating owen was it was it footage of kids uh tr- have you seen all these these little videos lots of little kids training on football pitches until a coach shouts out neymar and they all roll around on the floor that's funny is it funny though? Yeah, of course. I don't know. It, it, like, but this is what I mean. If he's synonymous with that, that's a negative association, right? And therefore, that is going to impact his effect and his legacy on football, and he's going to hate that. So he's going to change. Well, my intrinsic hatred of of the English means that when it's an international version of that, I don't mind. But the fact that the English go on and on about it annoys me because I think it comes from a place of. Uh, uh, unjustified national pride. When we come back after this break, Carl, why don't we talk about England and their quarterfinal against Sweden? Okay. Alrighty, in this section we're going to be getting ahead of England-Sweden in the quarterfinal game that's already been played. And of course then we'll be rushing ahead to the Croatia versus Russia game. <laughs> um, so let's start, as you said, with Sweden and England. Yeah. Sweden nil. England, two. All the people who, who... Where did you watch it, Joel? I watched it, Kyle, in a pub. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the name of the pub. I wasn't focused on that. Uh, in uh, South London, in Norwood Junction. Uh, to give you an indication of what the atmosphere was like, at halftime, with the score 1-0 to the English, mm-hmm. everyone in the pub was forced out into the pub garden to stand in front of a uh, St. George's flag mural with... Uh, <laughs> Your face with like uh, knights in armor riding out of the flag, and we all had to stand there 
and shout Oogaloo as they took photos of us. Who forced you to do that? The whole pub had to go out. Who? Who like, said? One of the fans in an England shirt at the front who was like orchestrating the chant. What did they do? Did they say that we won't serve any pints unless you all get out? No, it was like, right, come on, boys, outside, everybody outside, come on, outside, outside for the Facebook, outside. And we all went out. I've not looked for the photo because I can't remember the name of the no, pub. No, because it probably turned up on some sort of EDL page. Yeah, I mean, that was the vibe. <laughs> So what was the ambience like? How would you describe um, it? Well, there's this song. I can't remember the lyrics. It's like, it's on the phone. No, it, it'll do a bone. It's on its way. It's on its way. That's it. And they were chanting that over and over again. I had a different chant where I was. <laughs> Which was? I was in the opposite end of the English spectrum. Right. I was in a converted barn uh, <laughs> in the Lake District. <laughs> Uh, and it was just me and uh, there were no strangers there, which is uh, sort of unfortunate. I, I like to share my experience with strangers. It's more kind of heartening. Um, just I'll be for... honest, I've been put off going to another England game in a pub. Well, go on. as I said, extremes. Yeah. Uh, the song we were singing was the one that the fans, I don't think, stopped singing for the whole of the second half, which is this, which I'm sure you know. If you don't, you're better off. Oh, English in boys in Russia. Russia. Oh, 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 drinking all the vodka. Oh, oh. oh. England's going all the way. Which, of course, uh, Two, three, English boys four. is quite exclusive to uh, women and old men. Yeah. Um, uh, drinking all the vodka. Good luck. There's a lot of vodka in Russia. There's a lot of vodka in Russia. It uh, doesn't even rhyme with uh, Russia. No. Um, and England could be going all the way. Could but be. if you sing the song, it's going to help. I started trying to get Ooh, Harry Maguire going. Right. Uh, and uh, to no avail. Nothing. To no avail. Instead, they were singing, uh, "Your, I'm gonna swear, your shit, but your birds are fit." Wow. Yeah. Uh, and the two women I was standing with looked at me like, "What are we doing here? Why did you bring us here? Why did you bring us here?" Well, first of all, we're gonna be in the most English mural I've ever seen, and then we're gonna have talk casual about misogyny it. thrown at us. It's like you've given in, Joel. Uh, I haven't. I mean, I was, I was sad about the whole experience. <laughs> What about the game? The game itself, Kyle, I thought was quite dull, um, yeah. I, as I expected. It was two banks of yellow, the sw- the, the yellow wall, yellow as, wall. We, as we described. <laughs> Borussia Dortmund's stand was I there. heard that they read the poem out to the players before the game. Which poem? The one that I wrote. Oh, right, yes. The, yes. Yeah, and, and both teams. Both, I was going to say. The, uh, the it... Swedish manager read it out to kind of reinforce the sense that they can do this in English to just to ridicule them for having yeah. such a silly poem. Yeah, to have an acros- I mean, acrostic. It's like a like a childish kind of version of poetry. Sure. Uh, anywho, um, uh, I, I thought that it went almost exactly as I thought it would go, if I'm honest. Um, it reminded me of a mid-table Premier League clash between, say, Newcastle and Brighton. Who was who? Uh, Newcastle were England. Brighton was Sweden. Brighton had gone away. They needed a point. They didn't get it. They didn't get it, but they sat in deep. They played to try and hit them on a counter-attack or from a set piece, and they hoped that Newcastle slash England had not uh, uh, been working on how to beat two deep banks of four. If a team plays like that against England... Bearing in mind that, of course, this whole generation of England players have grown up with the flair football of the Premier League rather than the kind of kick it and run and... Was it run and dash? Kick and dash? Route one. Yeah, route one football of the past. There is still, in the English game, an absolute ability when there are big central defenders sitting in to wait it out, put cross 
after cross after cross into the box until at some point it falls onto Deli Ali's head and he heads it into the goal. I feel, well, from where I was sitting. Yeah, in, in the Lake District in the lap of luxury. Yeah. I wasn't expecting a first half goal from England. And that I think that sucked a lot of the uh, pressure, a lot of the need to uh, attack the Swedish team yep, agreed. out of the game. And therefore, I, I agree with you, there was a sense at the f- final whistle of, well, that wasn't really much of a contest. And in fact, the, one of the guys I was with actually said to me, you don't seem to be celebrating. And it was because it, it didn't really feel necessary to celebrate. Unlike the, the, you know, I was in bits in the Columbia game because of the struggle. Well, what it comes down to, Kyle, is are, are you... So, the majority of people watching this World Cup now, uh, and actually the majority of our listeners, are England fans by uh, dint of the fact that they're from here... And they're watching football for the only time they'll watch football in the next four years. So they're really excited about the prospect of England winning. You and I watch football all the bloody time. Yeah. Maybe slightly too much of the time. Focus on detail that is maybe completely irrelevant if England are winning the game. So yes, I completely agree with you. I was surrounded by people going mental. And I was like, well, they didn't really get tested there. What will happen when a team actually tests them? Yeah. My, my dad in particular was, was very unhappy with the performance. Yeah. Um, and I was like... I'd had a couple of beers by this time. I was like, Dad, chill out. It's the third time of all time England have been in the semi-final. There's space for growth. Just be happy we got there. He was like, I can't be happy. Um, I th- I genuinely think that, that that currently is the marked contrast between the general optimism of it's coming home from people who... The 6-1, I think, just inflated everyone's ex- like enjoyment of this team. Yeah. To see an England team win 6-1 and score goals like they've scored. Like I keep thinking of that set-piece goal, which had about four touches before the eventual header from Stones from the, the save from Sterling. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever forget that goal. It was expert. Yeah, it was beautiful. But I'm, ex- I'm genuinely excited for this evening. I will, of course, be supporting England. But I'm excited to watch Brozovic, Modric, Rakitic, which is the Croatian midfield they played against Argentina. And one would have thought what they'd start this evening. Dropping Kramaric, who scored in their quarterfinal, which we'll discuss momentarily. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm excited to see that midfield going up against Ali, Lingard, Henderson. Because there is no question in my mind the Croatian midfield is better. They pass the ball better. They move better. They're more instrumental on the tempo of the game it's going to be exciting to see England put under some pressure in that area and it's going to be exciting to see them try and fight back and I'm in a way I think it's ironic that a lot of people would take a very dull game and an England win this evening I want to watch a really good game of football I think it's going to be heart-wrenching tonight and the idea of Henderson going against Modric and Rakitic is absolutely terrifying but to go back to the Swedes yes Sferia Sferia um I have to say I actually thought they bought something to this tournament yeah they they really pushed Germany yes um, and I think from then on people started to take them seriously as a, a as a professional unit that could maybe hold out and they held out England fairly well mm. apart from two very decent crosses it's a really good example of what happens when uh, an amazing I think this is a this is applicable across the board in society when you have a star something and the star something goes and then the what's left has to try and become a, a unit. Are you talking about Wayne Rooney? Uh, no, I'm talking about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Similar players. Similar players. Uh, you know, Zlatan... Swedish football has basically just been Zlatan. Yeah. For however many years. And now he's gone. They really seem to play... I mean, they have. They really need a striker because gorgeous blue eyes Marcus Berg. 
hot to Trotsky he may well be. But fair to... I mean, that was an incredible save from Pickford. It was I think that was save. Berg's best chance of the tournament. And yeah. he must be absolutely gutted. Gutted, especially if those people who were staying in his flat have trashed it. I think they would have tidied up after themselves the Japanese way. <laughs> Can we quickly discuss that? It's such a such a tangent. Have you not seen this? That the Japanese captain in a press conference said, "No, we didn't tidy the dressing room." <gasps> yeah, it was just some cleaners. Fake news. <laughs> Fake news. Fake news. Putin. It's interesting though. That says maybe a political insight into the future of the world. Russia buttering up Japan. Yeah. So it was just some cleaners. So they did leave a thank you note. For, like, the World Cup as a kind of gesture. But the, the tidying was not them. I like the idea that the Japanese players absolutely trashed it. <laughs> and were like, yeah, this you know, we're really pissed off. We lost in the last second of the game. Yeah. And then... And they're like, oh, no, associated with the fans again. We yeah, want to be yeah. bad boys. Oh, I mean, so what we've learned there is fans are nicer than footballers, essentially. Oh, who would have thought that? Who would have thought that? Well, not English fans. Not, um, not the city of Nottingham, certainly. What do you mean? You're not saying what happened to the city centre in Nottingham in the England-Sweden game? So I, I've been working um, this week with uh, the armed forces. Right. Um, <laughs> and it sounds like you're some very dodgy real-life job. Why would that be dodgy? I don't know, some kind of like psychological warfare. <laughs> yes, I've been training killers. Um, I've been working with the armed forces, um, doing some training with them. And their main English narrative is... Um, is either Southgate, what a leader, what a great example for young people, yeah. or um, the way that the English people have, the fans have been treating the the public services, has emergency services has been disgusting. Because yeah. there was, I think there was a, an ambulance that was an ambulance was jumped trashed, on, a yeah. taxi got smashed to bits. So here's a question, and I think it really speaks to what's both good and bad about society right now. Bad. They fans destroyed an ambulance, right? Terrible, awful, disgusting thing. Good, a bunch of Millwall fans crowdfunded so that they could repair said ambulance. Was that an incident in London? Because there was another crowdfund in Nottingham as well, I think. So the crowdfund in Nottingham was, was to repair the taxi. The taxi. So what, what we're looking at here is a, is, a, is a world where people do disgusting things. It is highlighted on social media more readily than maybe it would have been in the past, more quickly, certainly. More people hear about it and see it and see that it's happening. And then there is a concerted effort where people just throw a couple of quid towards something because they can, because it's made available to them via social media and via the internet. And and the, the wrong is rectified in some way. I think it's nice that um, a, a group of fans, a group of football fans specifically, would choose to do that. Yeah, who were nowhere, who maybe weren't involved. You know, that's that's a nice gesture. Football is responsible for this, and football fans will rectify it. It's also it's interesting to have that. I mean, football's got this. We've discussed it so many times already on this podcast that the negative uh, the negative associations around football and being a football fan and how hard it is to to sort of see the niceness and the positivity in being a football fan. And actually, especially in clubs like Millwall, for all their bad reputation, have got an amazing community spirit. They've got, they've got real genuine roots within their community and they genuinely help out. And it's not a surprise to me that the people who would be crowdfunding it are not a group of uh, non-specific England fans who saw that an ambulance got smashed, yeah. but specifically a group of Millwall fans. I, yeah, I agree. It's like, because it, it, how... 
How do uh, do England fans in general take um, responsibility for that? Yeah. And why would they? They wouldn't. No. So yeah, it's nice that someone actually stood up and did that. But moving back to World Cup football. World Cup football. Sorry, yes. Russia, did. Croatia, final quarter final. Um, obviously, there was a big sort of hangover, quite literal, from the England game for a lot of people. Yeah. But what an opening! A goal within five minutes. What a game as well. It was just the 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 end when they every single player was. So what was the score? Two all. Mm-hmm. Uh, due to uh, so Russia took the lead early 1-0 Croatia then equalised 1-0 we played in, way into uh, extra time we went Croatia scored <gasps> uh, Vida who, who apparently then said uh, this is for Ukraine he said this is for Ukraine He's uh, he can't resist it can he Vida Has he, did he play for Kiev he played for uh, yes Dynamo Kiev so, so he has an affiliation with Ukraine. So his affiliation with Ukraine, and so he had a go at <laughs> Russia. <laughs> Were you watching, Vlad? This must be going loco for yeah, you. Yeah, did guys. you see that, Vlad? So how did you feel about that, Vlad? Um, obviously, there's been calls from FIFA. They instantly um, called him out, and they've contacted him. They're, yeah. they're, they're bought their committee for ethics. Is, uh, but there's no repercussion, I think, in terms of the next game. There's well, it's no, there's a hard. It's also slightly hard to prove. They've what had to like, he said. This is for Ukraine. Yeah, you know. Wasn't there a video? There is, but it's not like it's not like he went onto a microphone, do you know what I mean? So they can say, Were you was this a political gesture and he could probably get away with saying no. But he has previous, uh, in that he said something about burning Belgrade uh, oh, when wow. he played when they played Switzerland. Wow. Yeah. So he's a bit of a cheeky character. Yes he is. And uh uh that goal was cancelled out by Brazil. And when I say that, of course I mean Fernandez, our uh, Russian roulette right back, Mario Fernandez, although he was playing left back in that team that we made. Previously. And then he missed a penalty. And then he missed a penalty in the penalty shootout. Russia lost. They finally have en- left this tournament, um, which they are hosting, and way, way, way later than anticipated. I cannot help but like them. Yeah, no, I, I think they're probably all uh, on the basis of yours and and our previous guest Sophie Robinson's recommendation. I watched Icarus. Yeah. The Netflix documentary. I thought it was brilliant, but I, I mean, I can't help but think that they're all doping now. Well, yeah. Also, they they've they've already said that they've all been sniffing ammonia before the game because that falls within the limitations. They, you're allowed to sniff ammonia before a game. What does sniffing ammonia do? Well, it's worked. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, they look so so. I just the devastation on their faces was just. That's what this is about, really, the World Cup, isn't it? It's about that sense that they had gone so far. They had done so well. They had exceeded every expectation that was ever set out for them. And they fell at that hurdle. And it was just... It's like, even though now, I'm sure every single one of those Russian players is is waking up and going, we did really well. You know, they united a country that seemingly didn't really care at the start of the tournament. At the time, the devastation was so visceral, so real. Like... It's only a game, but bloody hell they cared. Well, two penalty shootouts in a row will do that to you. Yeah, true. Um, and it is so English uh, that the year that England win in a penalty shootout, they are then going to play a team that have already won two. Yeah. Um, so, therefore, <laughs> the advantage that they would have... I mean, obviously, it's a huge mental barrier for themselves, but it's like, yeah, well, you, you think you've done well there? We've done it twice. Yeah. Uh, facing, probably... And um, we're going to come back onto this in a f- feature later in the episode, the ultimate players of each position in the tournament. Mm. But Daniel Subasic... Yeah. Has, has reigned victorious in two penalty shootouts. Although uh, the, the, the worldie that Cherishev scored, um, Gary Neville was, was furious. 
position. With his with Subasic's positioning. Oh. Because he didn't dive. Well, let's see if he dives against England. I'm sure he will. We will be discussing that game as well as the first semi-final after this. So, Carl, last night, the first semi-final, the heat of the occasion, the excitement, the drab 1-0 win from a corner. For France. <laughs> For France. But a great header from Titi. Yeah, it was a good header. And although uh, I, I was saddened that I think a... Uh, Toby Alderweireld, the Belgium and Tottenham defender, has not played much this season. And I feel like if he played more games and was more match fit, he wouldn't have let Umtiti get away from him in the box like he did. I have to say, that's to Umtiti's credit. And you and I, you might not remember this, we saw Umtiti play for Lyon when he was about 18 years old. Yes, we did. He wasn't uh, anywhere near as, uh, you know, as, as muscular as he is now. He's an absolute machine these days yes uh but he did not play well no uh he was a bit of a joke in that game and so i'm actually i think that just shows you know to get to a score a winning goal in a world cup semi-final mm. to not to not come from the biggest club and obviously there's all this narrative around england and the clubs that some of those players have played for um i just think that's one of the great things about the world cup you can yeah. rise to the occasion you can rise to the biggest possible event in world football. I mean, he, can, does also, can thrive. he does obviously also now play for Barcelona. He does. And but... he made his international debut for France coming on as a substitute in a European Championship quarterfinal. So he has... He's played big games. He's played big games, but you're right. It is, the narrative of that was stunning. And the fact that the much-vaunted golden generation... As you discussed so brilliantly, but this is what happens to golden generations; they don't win. So we no. should, we, as you, we should have seen this coming, and we, we sort of did. And and like, that is probably it for quite a few of them. Dembele looks like uh, he's his body is his is, is done. This is what happens if you start him as a wing back. It was bizarre, actually. So we talked about Martinez's tactical brilliance <laughs> uh, in the um, in the defeat of Brazil. Like the tactics, it was again the fluidity of formation change was brilliant. But watching Nasser Chadley attempt to cross maybe eight times hitting the first man yeah you just think realistically you, a team is only as good as the sum of its parts and so if you can have Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne and Romelu Lukaku uh, and you can have Axel Witzel who played a, probably was I thought was one of the most underrated players on the pitch and you Great can have player. a back line I think your Vincent Company shout totally wrong he was brilliant he was rock solid Mbappe never got in behind him but you're only as good as some of your parts. And Nasser Chadley is a winger who didn't play very much for a relegated West Brom team this season. So negatives, playing Chadley. Positives, we criticised him for not picking Nangalan. Yes. Uh, unneeded. Yeah, they didn't need Nangalan. Witzel I... and De Bruyne for the group stages and then Witzel and Fellaini from then on. Didn't and need him. No, they didn't. And I, But I'm, what would he have offered that was different? I don't know. Maybe, v- some, maybe some more creativity from deep? I think Witzel shown himself to be a... A top player. I think it's a shame then that he's currently earning 200 grand a week in China. Not Veraxel. No. Um, but it's just a shame that he went there. He'll be back. He'll come back now. And he'll come back for a, a, a top club. You without, think so? Yeah, without having to worry about... Rather than an Arsenal or a Chelsea, he'll go straight to a Atletico Madrid, a Real Madrid, yeah. a, a maybe a Bayern Munich. So I sent you a message h- halfway through uh, about the, the club sides. What there were that were that were had representatives in that game between them, Spurs and Chelsea had eight players amongst that twenty-two. That is astonishing in a World Cup semi-final to have 
uh, teams have that much, you know, that that level of representation. Yeah, but that's that's the power of the money of the English game. Yes, uh, and you know, geographically, it makes sense for French and Belgian players to play in England. Yeah, absolutely true. I, I mean, I just thought it was a uh, uh, it spoke volumes to the overall success of those two teams. Whether you mean whether you take that in a bad way or a good way is entirely up to Why you. Why would you be interested in the success or failure of those two teams I in particular? I don't know. I have no idea. No, I'm clueless as to why. Um, so Mbappe. Mbappe. Go on then. That's we're one of the moments of the World Cup. The double, the the double pirouette, pirouette, and the flick, the back heel. Yes. Yeah. And again, yes, it was overplayed. That everything he's doing is being vaulted as being genius, and I don't think it's genius. I think that it's bold and brave, and he's a young man. Who does it remind you of? Uh, that that level of of build up because at the same age Ronaldo was considered a joke. I think it reminds me of Henri. He's like he's a he's a he's a what he, the pace of that boy from wide means he's a threat wherever he is in the final. So it, you it, think he'll end up being a centre forward? He is a centre forward as well. His range of finishing is insane. Yeah, yeah. He's a but the, right now I've just abused that pace. Speaking of which, can. did you see Henri's face at the end of the game? No. Obviously, he's a coach for Belgium in this tournament, not for France. He's a Thierry Henry, famously sexy French footballer. Vavavoum. Vavavoum, indeed. Uh, incredibly successful French footballer, winner of multiple international titles and also many domestic titles with a team uh, in England. And um, now a coach for Belgium. So first of all, did you see the, co- the the great quote? Why are you not fulfilling this role for France rather than Belgium? Who said that? That was, a, I think, Le Foot asked him that. Right. Uh, which is a French, the famous French uh, football magazine that also uh, awards the Ballon d'Or, the uh, golden uh, ball every year to the world's best player. Uh, they asked him this question. He said, well, the French never asked me. Simple oh, answer. Burn. But I thought his face at the end was really good because obviously for him it was kind of a win-win situation. Either the team that he's an assistant coach at gets the World Cup final or the team yeah. that he pro- almost certainly supports uh, gets the World Cup final. He was born just outside Paris, for God's sake. And for the first time since he was part of the squad. Yeah. In fact, he was a very similar figure to Mbappe at that time, 1998. Yes. But actually it shows you he didn't play much. Well, and football Mbappe has changed. is their best player. But football has changed. Where a 19-year-old now, you, you, there's no question that uh, you can absolutely trust younger players. I mean, yeah. back then there was still this kind of like, oh, we can't throw players in too soon. But that really evolved in the noughties to the point where now no one bats an eyelid that uh, the England team being un- average age of under 25. Who would you have rather seen in this final? Were you happy that France progressed out of no, those two teams? No, I wanted Belgium. Why did you want Belgium? I... I, I think there's something exciting about that generation of players. I think the, the, there's a, a sense of dynamism that there really isn't in the French team. There's a solidity to the French team and a couple of star men. Yeah. But the, there's so many players in that Belgian team who I love to watch. Witzel, all of the defenders, uh, the entire front line. They're, they're just exciting. And I think with Mounier coming back for the final to replace Chadley they would have had a really strong yeah. chance against either England or Croatia. I was torn. I was watching it in a pub in uh, Covent Garden and there was a lot of French people there. So I got kind of caught up in that. But at the same time, I want a new champion. That is something I've been saying. I said, actually, what I'd really like is a Belgium-Croatia final because a new world champion is exciting. And that also lifts everyone's expectations of that game. Everyone's watching it with a, for a new narrative. Oh, who's going to... You know, we've, I think we had it with Spain and, and Holland Yeah. Um, in 2010. Uh, yeah, uh, 2010, yes. and that was exciting because you're like, well, one of these teams is going to do something that they've never done before. Yeah, and they get that little star above their badge. But France versus <laughs> potentially England or Croatia, I think, could make the better final. 
um, mm. because I think it's a sort of not a clash, but it's a difference of tactics. Belgium, England in oh, a final would be a would be Premier very, League game, but also similar styles, and that might nullify each other. I think there'll be gaps in the uh, approaches of both the teams. Let's say England were to get there mm. versus France, that can be exploited for both teams. A more exciting game, I would think. Agreed. So. That's the first semi-final done. Right. There is one semi-final to come. Who's that? Uh, I think it's the Croatians versus some team. Some team who think that they invented football for some unknown reason. But they do like Lions. They do like Lions. All four of them. Three. They only like three. Oh, there's only three. They don't like the fourth Lion. Prediction? I think England are going to win. I've heard on... I've been listening to uh, an unnamed popular talk radio channel. Yes. um, And... They're all. Every single pundit has been talking from the perspective. Well, of course they're going to win. Well, we already know they're going to win. And it, the the the, the short sightedness is just unbelievable. My heart is. Re- How could you just keep it to yourself? Yeah. It's a game. It's a one-off game. Either team could win. Fifty-fifty. I think they're going to win. I think it will be unbelievably tight, and I wouldn't be surprised if Croatia nicked it. Uh, I think that. Croatia looked tired in the last game. I think Mario Mandzukic as a striker has possibly had his best days. Uh, Juventus play him on the left wing. Uh, and I think that that's probably the, their, their main problem is they don't have a focal point. And England have a focal point. And, and he, what has been remarkable is how scared defences are of Harry Kane. And it changes the game in that players like Ali and Lingard and Sterling can find space because every defence that we've come up against has been terrified about Kane. I think that England have made themselves a threat from set pieces in such a, a well-known way that inevitably, if they get a corner, if they get a free kick, yeah, the, tension. the Croatian players will already be extra on edge. And that, you know, this is the sort of momentum you build in a tournament, that reputation. Um, but I also think this is Sterling's game. I would love it because I, I'm I'm done with this. I'm done with the, think, na- I'm done with the narrative. He's one of the best players of his generation to come through. He's one of the best England players I've seen in years. And I'm done with this, him as a failure. He's frustrating to watch, no question. But what he is doing is something that nobody else in the England squad can do. No. And what, he's, what he does is a similar thing to Hazard and Messi. The difference between them, obviously, is his con- one is consistency. Which will come in two, time. He's still young. He's 23. But also, his, the, the other thing, which I think is more, which is where the critics have credence, is his ability to find that final ball, yes. shot or pass. He should have scored against Sweden. No or question. he should have passed a Kane against Sweden for the third goal. He should have scored he did in this, nothing. He should have scored in he this tournament. He did neither. And yeah. this is the issue. So, But we, we backed him. He's frustrating. I think England, at, at, on a whole, is actually done with this narrative. If he could be the difference tonight, I think it would bring everyone so much so more much together joy. for the final. Very true. Uh, and I think he deserves it. Yep, I agree. So, so I'm saying... England. I'm saying extra time. Right. Who's going to win the World Cup, Carl? France. You're saying France? I'm saying 100... And you can quote me back on this, listeners, bearing in mind that a lot of my predictions, in fact, nearly all of my predictions for this World Cup have come wrong. I'll say England. Right. So, good. And I'm saying France. But also, I'm going to be sending Joel some uh, voice notes from Spain, weirdly. I'm going to Spain today. I land an hour before kickoff, and I will be driving my hire car to the first pub full of expats I could find pulling on my hot sweaty England jumper shirt 
from 1966. Not an original. Yes. Uh, and I will be sending Joel messages. So maybe we'll make the way so into the, the pod. So the messages from Spain will make the way onto the pod. And you will be here. You will be listening to this pod once again with no sense of dramatic tension because you will know who won through from uh, England and uh, Croatia. Uh, we obviously don't. So after this. As this is our last episode, we will discuss games of the tournament, players of the tournament, and various things of that ilk. That's right. I don't know nothing about football, but I love my friends, so I'll watch it for them. Welcome back for our final summation of what has been, for many people, including Joel and I, an absolutely enjoyable and beautiful World Cup. I've loved it, and I haven't loved an international tournament since... uh, 2002, when South Korea did well. I I don't remember being this involved in the World Cup since 1998. Yeah, and I actually think that goes for a lot of people. Yeah. So, uh, thank you, Vladimir. Yeah, Vlad, (laughs) you've brought us joy. You fixed it by bribing Blatter, probably. (laughs) I also have been talking a lot about Vlad recently uh, with these uh, RAF pilots, because basically most of their job these days internationally with NATO, is intercepting uh, <laughs> Russian spy planes. Jesus. It's just like such... Vlad, it's such a big part of your policy. What is going... What? Why yeah. are you doing it? We've all enjoyed... Look, at the end of the day, regardless of what he does, spy planes, crushing LGBT rights... It's just so casual. Condoning it's... violence from racism, uh, uh, invading Crimea... Taking us back to a Cold War situation. Don't do elections. it, lad. Well, for all of that, Carl, we've really enjoyed the World Cup. We have, we have. But we, <laughs> since we've got your ear, just yeah. stop all the other shit. Yeah, just let's just have an ongoing international football tournament forever and stop with the hatred. And also, it was very telling that when Russia exited the tournament, obviously they've got a chance there to open their their arms to the to the to the international um, what's the word international community. community. Uh, by saying, we've had a wonderful time. Thank you all for coming. Yeah. We're so proud of ourselves for getting so far. And we were just so proud we put in a good show. The manager said, let's not be happy. <laughs> I.e., it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Semi-finals is, yeah, oh, it's just oh, so rushed. When it eventually comes out that all of them were taking human growth uh, stuff. That I mean, oh God. Anywho. Anyway, it's been a really good World Cup. So, let's go through some stuff. Best game for you. I mean, I forgot about it completely <laughs> and, until you reminded me, but it's no question. It's France-Argentina, right? 4-3. Uh, game. First game of the knockouts really set the tone. Yep. For me, it was the 3-2 Belgium-Japan. Yes. Oh, God, that was... Yeah, but I mean, that was the closest I've come to crying at football in years. I mean, I think I was close from the Columbia game, but yes, I agree. <laughs> like, the heart... The, that was that, the crystallisation of that moment, the last kick of the game being knocked out of a tournament, how that must have made you feel. Yeah, extraordinary. And, and the, on the other side of that, the agony, the ecstasy yeah. for Belgium. Yeah, Nasser Chadley. Um, but for me, I, th- I still think the open, the, the second day, the 3-3 Spain-Portugal was Yeah, that, I mean, talking about tone setter, geez. Uh, and also just, uh, uh, it, it was a slightly misguiding thing because it made you think, well, this is going to be the World Cup where all the best players in the world come through and show what they can do. And actually, it's been a World Cup about new things. Yeah. No Messi, no Ronaldo in the and no Neymar in the closing stages. Uh best player. Best player. Let's start with best goalkeeper. Okay. Uh hard one. Larice has been brilliant. Great saves uh, last night. After a really quite bad season. Mm-hmm. I think your earlier shout though, from that penalty shootout mostly with Denmark, uh, Croatian Daniel Subasic, 
Yeah, I think he, and also going along our, our general theme and trying to enlighten our listeners about players they might not have heard of. Yes. He is, he is well known, but he's not a, a no. household name. No, I'm currently playing at Monaco. I genuine potential for a move, I'd say. Yeah, and I would give a small shout out to the wee man, Jordan. Jordan, Jordan, the tiny, tiny little man. I think I think if we're talking about saves at the tournament, that save from the last moments before the equaliser for Colombia... It was astonishing. ...was... How he got across there and how he got so high, his jumping ability. It was Hollywood that moment. Yeah, he's been, he, he has been brilliant, Pickford. All right then, so uh, outfield player. <sighs> Defender. Okay, we're going to go by, by position. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Defender, uh, we've said him, Titi, I think he's got to be up there. I actually think Varane's been better. His, yeah, his he's defensive, majestic. Raphael Varane. He's just, I love a defender who looks like they're not trying and yet somehow is always in the way, always heading the ball out, playing languid passes from the back. He just looks a bit like he's on holiday. Well, he, he is from an incredibly successful Real Madrid team. Yeah, that's true. And um, I don't know why anyone's surprised by how good he is. But so yeah, let's do... save Varane. I think that's a good shout. Yeah. So we're saying Supersic, Varane. Yes. Uh, midfielder, I think it has to be Modric. Really? He missed a penalty though. But then he scored one. Yeah, and which, then he scored again. again. He has got, in he has got mental fortitude. The second one in the second penalty shootout against Russia was actually saved by Akinfiev, and it kind of he got a touch on it. It went up and oh, in, and yeah. it was just a moment where he thought, "Has he missed again? Yeah. Has Akinfiev saved it again?" And that was the moment I think they lost that game. There was a, there, yeah. were, there were penalties after that, but I when think, Modric put it in, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll 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 stick with Modric and then striker. It's Mbappe. Yeah. I, think I was it, waiting for you to say Kane, but actually, if you look at it, Kane has scored three penalties and one lucky touch off a heel uh, and two uh, okay goals. Three stupendous penalties in pressured moments. The, the, the winning goal against Tunisia, I think, is the hardest of them all. Yeah, the, that header, the tension in that yeah. moment. But, I, but it's just, look, let's be completely honest and say, whilst he has had a brilliant World Cup, Mbappe, in terms of what he brings that French team and being the spearhead of that team... It's it's astonishing. We will remember Mbappe in this World Cup for that performance against Argentina, oh. uh, for his influence over the semi-final. But let's say, let's say it's either Modric versus Mbappe in the final, or Kane versus uh, um, Mbappe in the final. Mm. If Kane scores the winning goal, I think he is the striker of the tournament. He's he's going to get the golden boot probably. It's looking unless Mbappe can do. I think he's Mbappe's and Griezmann. Uh, both three behind, uh, and it's looking increasingly unlikely that anyone's going to close that gap to Kane. Kane will be in the team of the tournament, no question. No question. Because the Golden Boot winner always has to be in the team. And I think Pickford might well be the goalie in the team of the tournament, even though he, because he's got a higher profile than Subasic. Goal of the tournament? I've got a real soft spot for the goal that uh, um, Dries Mertens scored for Belgium. Against Panama. Against Panama, because it had been a dire, dire game. It had been attritional, boring football. And I thought, God, this golden generation, what are they going to do? And then up pops Dries Mertens, one of the top scorers, if not the top scorer in Serie A, the Italian league this season. And he just, the, the technique to volley it in from the corner of the box where he volleyed it in. But I mean, there have been some amazing goals across the board. I think mine's Pavar. We've spoken about oh, it. Oh, so good. His and Nacho's were both beautiful. We've already talked about it, obviously. But I've, I, the, I, could, I can see that Pavar goal in my mind's eye. And that is, I think that is the testament to a, a, a truly... Uh, genius goal. Yeah, that you can. You never forget it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way the ball moved, the way that he struck it, 
the way that it eluded the goalkeeper and the mm. way that it was like honestly it was like a feather it was and beautiful finally best Putin Pravda point off field narrative oh oh on the spot I, I still think the, the throw on the th- <laughs> how can that be the thing I will never forget that moment <laughs> What was he doing? Just to remind our listeners, an Iranian footballer in the last minute. Somersault throw on. Somersault throw on. And then didn't take it because he then... put himself off by doing the somersault. <laughs> and then did a regular throw on and they didn't score and they lost the game. Oh, God. I, I think mine has been the uh, the football's coming home. I, I, it's, it's so strange and alien to me to see people exhibiting a sense of national pride about the national game. Well... Maybe we will go on to talk about this in, in, in a future pod. Maybe we will do like a, depending on what happens in the semi tonight or in the final, maybe we will be moved to do an extra 10 minutes or so. I don't know. Fingers crossed. But the whole the whole old generation versus new generation attitude about hashtag it's coming home, I find absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Um, I think it's an example of hashtag great British wit. Yes. Uh, and old people seem to think that it's young people being arrogant and I think on that phone call, yes. I think that's football. Is it football? Or no, 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 let's find out. Thank you for listening to the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast. Is it Joel? Who is it? There was no one there. Oh, how ominous. Football's come home, guys. Um, well, we do need to thank you all for listening. And on, on a serious note, it's been it's really made our World Cup being able to have these um, these moments and, and having interaction with people who have listened. Yeah. We've looking at the people who are listening from all over the world and we can't even source these. If you're our listener in Malta. Malaysia? Malaysia, New Zealand. Uh, if, if you're our listener in South Africa. I think the only continent we haven't hit is South America. If you are our new listener in South America. <laughs> um, guys, thank you so much. Um, also, thanks for being so nice. Uh, if you've spoken to us about it, you have inspired us to keep going. We will be coming back with Absolute Worldy uh, with a slightly, obviously, different take because the World Cup will be over. Um, hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, please do rate, like, subscribe. So, yeah, we tweet us. We are on iTunes and we obviously we're happy to be on that because it seems like a very easy platform and format for people. But to spread the word on iTunes, we do unfortunately need to ask people to leave a review. Just click that five star. Just a few words. Just click the or one star. Just click the stars. That's a rate. We need the rating, but we need a review. We would like some reviews as well. Um, Um, And we need to we are going to get better at Twitter. We promise. God, we're probably going to even foray into Instagram. So, yeah, God help us. We love you all. Thank you for listening. We will see you very very soon goodbye bye the absolute worldy podcast is produced by joel samuels and kyle ross with editing by joel samuels our theme music is courtesy of adam janota bazowski and Amar chada patel all other music is licensed under creative commons thank you very much for listening and please do remember to like share subscribe rate and review on itunes and follow us at worldy podcast on twitter bye Hey Joel, uh, I'm at Stansted at the gate. The plane is not here and we should have uh, taken off five minutes ago. So uh, we are definitely going to be going to the rental car kiosk with about 40 minutes minimum before kickoff. I'm scared. Okay, football is good, football is fun, football is there for everyone. Okay, so uh, just touching down in about 30 seconds at Alicante. Uh, it's 7.49 UK time, which means we were delayed so much 
that we've missed the first half of England in the semi-final. I'm trying to keep Zen about it. Lindsay is not doing so well. Um, I could, you know, make some predictions about what I think's happened, but I, I'm, I can't even do it. I'm too scared. He's numb. I'm numb. Um, the chances of us getting the, the higher car before the final whistle are slim. I'm smiling. It's fine. It's all good. Bye. Okay, that's right. Turn the headphones up. Okay, let's do this. Here we go. Oh, so that was an absolute disaster. Got into the terminal. Decided the best thing to do with 25 minutes left on the clock was to not risk getting into a car. And asked around at the airport, running full pelt carrying a bag, where we might be able to watch the game. A very informative person at the desk said, well, in a secret sort of voice, in Spanish, if you go down by the pharmacy, there's a secret little walkway and there's a staff cafeteria, they've got the football on. So down we rushed and we watched it in there. Heartbreak. But um, oddly detached, not really feeling like I know the whole narrative or context of the game. So I'm going to go with... From what I saw, they probably didn't deserve it. Kickball.